Hi, I'm Jacob Lang. I work at Associated Eye Care, uh, where I'm lead optometrist and head of our residency program, Group MD OD practice, uh, Eastern Twin Cities in Western Wisconsin. I'm Josh Johnston, optometrist at Georgia Eye Partners in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm the clinical director and residency director there. So Josh, how have the next generation presbyopia IOLs changed the way you communicate with cataract patients, uh, specifically patients that are seeking spect spectacle independence um, and uh, the outcomes that they should expect with these presbyopia correcting IOLs? Great question, Jake. You know, it's good to be an optometrist now. It's good to be a patient, especially with a cataract and maybe a desire to get rid of glasses or contacts, right? So we have more options than we ever have before. We had this, it's not necessarily a new category, but you look back 10, 15 years ago, some of those high ad multifocals, yeah. we had the pain points of it, you know, a lot of time discussion in the chair, talking about glare, halos, night vision issues, dysphotopsias, yeah. and now we can really achieve a lot of independence without some of those side effects that really affected our patients there. So if we have a lot of patients demanding to get rid of glasses altogether, we have the opportunity to do that these days and actually you know, not induce some of those higher order issues or aberrations and night vision issues like we saw in years past. Yeah, yeah, so our patients really, if they wanna get rid of their glasses, they need to ask Santa for cataracts this year, right? Yeah, it's a, you know, I think that was an offensive word when you mentioned the word, you have a cataract. You know, 10 years ago, patients would pull back and look at you, but now we're having that 67-year-old patient come in because their neighbor or their friend or family member had a previous cataract surgery to get rid of glasses. We've been saying for a long time now, you and I both have, Cataract surgeries are a refractive procedure these days, but I think finally it's there with patients really asking about new technology, really talking proactively about glare and halos at night and wanting these procedures done even at a younger and younger age than ever before. Yeah. So with Josh, with all these new lenses, how have your discussions about dysphotopsias and glare evolved as the technology in these lens implants has evolved as well? Yeah, great question. The big thing is it's just gotten easier, right? And I look at some of the things we had to do 10, 15 years ago. We had to give patients questionnaires to, to try to identify patients that were maybe type A or perfectionists, really looking at lifestyles, their, their habits, what they did for work, and all this stuff, it became so specific and esoteric. And now it's a simple conversation. What are you looking to achieve with surgery, with cataracts? We can get you seeing better, but do you want to have some decreased need for glasses, spectral independence? Distance, intermediate, near, it's just a discussion, a lifestyle thing on what they're wanting to achieve after surgery. We know there's some IOLs we can use now, really, that will deliver distance, intermediate, near vision. Some that are more for just distance and intermediate vision. If they don't have an issue with potential with glare and halos at night, you know, we have options to help all three, distance, intermediate, near. If there's a pathology or maybe a reason, a personality trait where glare and halos may not be best for this patient, we still have other options we can recommend there as well. So more options than ever before to help these patients with these decisions. Yeah, so you get to kind of tailor the lens depending on the patient's pathology and their needs and their uh, risk aversion. Is that right? Yeah, and, and we have less reservations than we ever have before. So glare and halos used to be back in my mind a lot. And now that's so much lower than it used to be. Some patients are extremely demanding, wanting all three ranges of vision. We can deliver that. Really not worrying about so much glare and halos as we used to. Again, some patients, maybe not the best lens choice for them. But again, much, much easier to help patients out with all these ranges of vision than ever before. Josh, how do you address a patient that wants to completely remove spectacles from their life with cataract surgery? Good question. You know, we don't want to promise perfect vision all day, every day without ever the need for glasses. 
However, these modern, you know, you know, basically two lenses out there with trifocal technology, allowing our patients to achieve great distance, intermediate, and near vision there. So some patients say, you know what, I hate glasses, I never want to wear them. We can deliver that sort of technology as long as we address, you know what, we can do that. You may have some glare and halos at night, the brain will get used to that, most patients do well. In our practice, you know, maybe two patients out of 100 will, will have to really work about, you know, explanting that lenses. And that's even way less than it used to be many, many years ago. But we can deliver distance, intermediate, near vision and really have these patients not have to wear reading glasses. Is it a perfect optical solution like what we were born with? No, but it's pretty close. You know, we know there'll be some glare and halos in some of these patients, but not as offensive as they used to be. And so we can really aggressively talk about this and educate patients. Yeah, so you're able to target distance, intermediate, and near, give those patients that target of, you know, uh, great vision everywhere, but you just have to have a little more conversation on the back end with, you know, these are some things we might see, but it sounds like with the evolution that those uh, issues, the optics and the uh, visual qualities improved enormously. Yeah, you know, in the old days we had those high-end multifocals, it's really a bifocal, right? Giving you something at intermediate, but mainly near and distance, and that became a further out working point there to decrease some of the loss of light and dysphotopsias and glare and halos. But now with the trifocal, you know, really recycling this light energy, we can now deliver three focal points and we have two lenses out there that can do that. Uh, one is just a true, you know, trifocal diffractive IOL and, and the other one has a complementary EDOF as well as a trifocal surface there to help patients really deliver three focal points, achieving that vision near intermediate and distance vision. Yeah, much more natural vision. So Josh, when you're talking to your cataract consult patients or the patients that have cataracts coming soon to a theater near them, um, how do you determine their uh, visual needs, especially in regards to distance tasks? What questions, what conversation do you have with your patients about their distance visual needs? Yeah, it's sort of a, you know, approach of a, a discussion for this journey. You know, you have cataracts. We've noticed that every year for the past few years. Now you're having increased glare and halos at night, and now you're really complaining about your functional vision. So we can cure that, right? We can make you see better. Now let's talk about your lifestyle goal and needs of your vision and what you want to achieve after surgery. So we'll eliminate the cataract. We can cure that. The discussion then is really honing in on the technology we can implant inside the eye. What do you want? Do you want the idea of not having to wear glasses ever again? And does that work with your lifestyle as far as your hobbies and as well as your work demand for that near, intermediate, and distance vision? Or do you not mind wearing a mild pair of like plus one reading glasses to help see up close if you love to drive at night and don't want to risk any chance of any glare and halos? So it's a discussion on their lifestyle, what their visual demands are for the work and their hobbies, mm -hmm. and then sort of a refractive outcome. Do they hate the idea of wearing glasses or do they not mind wearing glasses maybe 10, 20% of the time? Once we know those answers, we can kind of hone in on the technology and then talk about pros and cons and further define what their best options are. Yeah. Pairing that technology with the patient, right? Exactly. It's a customized description. You know, our friend Walt Whitley always uses that term. Uh, this for you, the Oprah Winfrey, right? In the old days, <laughs> certain patients got the same IOL over and over. We've come a lot way really identifying traits, behaviors, demands to customize what implant we use on our patients. Yeah, great. I ask patients a lot of time, what does your week look like? How do you focus in on a patient's you know, life activities and um, their passions, so to speak, so we can pair the technology with their, their weekly grind? You know, it's, it's less of what we had to do in the old days, right? So now we kind of go over the broad things, like you mentioned, your job, your hobbies, your weekend, your weekdays. What does that nine to five look like? And then kind of talk about the different lenses and maybe 
do you hate the idea of wearing glasses at all? And then we kind of get some of that personality stuff with their demands, with their career and their visual needs, and then really come up to a nice solution there to customize it for each patient. Yeah, kind of balancing risk averse and spectacle averse, right? The patients that are spectacle averse, that's great. So Josh, when you're seeing patients in the, in the preoperative period, how do you talk about costs, risks, and uh, the expectations uh, around cataract surgery? Great question. So, you know, modern cataract surgery is such a safe procedure, right? And I always tell that story. Your parents, your grandparents, you know, you hear the word cataract, you may think of an old patient. They used to wait till you're almost blind because it was a, you know, hospitalization. These patients were in the hospital for three weeks where they couldn't move their head and have the sandbags. Actually, a, a patient a few weeks ago was a nurse and talked about that pain point, uh, being in the hospital and keeping patients down without having them move. And now we've evolved, right, to a modern cataract surgery, which is really been around for quite a while now. So they understand clear incision, no stitches, no bleeding, no pain. That's the actual surgical discussion about that procedure. It takes five to seven minutes. It's easy, it's comfortable, it's an outpatient procedure. It lowers the anxiety and, and a lot of patients know that these days that no cataract surgery is pretty easy. It, it passed C-sections many years ago as the number one surgery done in the United States. Yeah. But what's cool and a lot of patients are you know aware of this is what we can do as a refractive procedure. Again, putting in an implant to help them see, not only distance, historically it was one option, maybe distance only or near option, but now we can retreat stigmatism, intermediate, near, distance, maybe all together. So we get one shot at this, uh, one time to do surgery, right. talking about all the risks, um, which are relatively safe. Um, we may talk about some glare halos at night with some technology, but they're more forgiving than they ever have been before. And then the last thing, really, I do bring up cost. And some of the experts say, you know, you may not want to discuss that. Uh, mm -hmm. The counselor will do that with the patient. I just say there are some out of, uh, up charges, if you will, that are out of pocket. Right. Standard insurance, whether it's commercial and Medicare, will cover the, for the procedure and the anesthesia and all those fees that we see. They don't cover these premium lenses that maybe address astigmatism or give you a range of vision, that sort of thing. Uh, but most patients understand that. You know, 15 years ago when this was a new category, there was a lot more pain involved with that discussion, yeah. but these days we really educate patients. It's an investment in right. their investment in their health and investment in their vision. And I think question for you a little bit is: yeah. Have you seen an uptake after COVID? With you know what, I want to invest in my health, and we've seen a, a premiums bump up a little bit in our practice with that selection. Yeah, I think I think we've seen a lot of that. Um, patients looking for other options and investing in themselves. Um, I think more and more patients are looking for spectacle independence too because of their. Um, drive to improve their vision on their computer and in their Zoom meetings and um, their FaceTime meetings with their family and grandkids that um, they're looking for the multitude of options. And I think we've all seen this drive for more and more screen time, um, whether it be Zoom or um, to play their games on their iPad. I have a lot of patients say, what, you know, what do you do? Well, I like to play my games on my iPad. So it's definitely a bigger part of their world. And I think they're looking to achieve visual success in those environments. Yeah, I think that word investment, and we get one time to do this, you know, some patients are like, well, I'll come back in 10 years and I'll buy that lens at that point. You know, it's, it's a once and yeah. done, if you will. And so just education, but it's a lower barrier than we've ever had yeah. before. That's not really how it works, right? So um, do you personally talk about the cost or do you just kind of lay out that there is some sort of structure to, you know, basic monofocal um, and then, you know, additional costs for astigmatism and uh, different uh, 
multitudes of focus in their technology? Or do you say, you know, there's some options, I'm gonna have the counselor go over this with you? Yeah, we see it vary. So if you're a true, you know, referring optometrist that doesn't have a surgeon in your practice, you have to refer that patient out and you may not wanna do that heavy lifting, right? Right. That's gonna be the practice and the surgeon's job to really talk about specific lens recommendations maybe, and then cost with your refractive counselor or the surgical coordinator, if you will. In our group, you know, we are about half optometrist, half ophthalmologist, so I'm sort of embedded in that team. I do initiate that discussion, say, you know, we can, and we talk about the surgery, like I mentioned before, we talk about the refractive and visual goals after surgery, yeah. and then just talk about there is some out-of-pocket. So I give them a sort of a uh, rough ballpark idea of what that cost will be, yeah. but I say this is sort of step one. We've diagnosed you with the cataract, let you know there's options you can choose from. Some of these are out-of-pocket. Give them a range of fees for that. But then let them really then do the heavy lifting with the typically the surgical counselor. If you yeah. know, we have a coordinator that really schedules that patient for surgery, uh, talks about eye drops and all the ins and outs of that stuff, and then really gets the consent forms for the out-of-pocket procedures with the specific cost there. Yeah. Yeah, they really get into the nitty gritty, same thing in my group that, you know, it's great, I think, for optometrists and uh, referring doctors, everyone needs to be on the same page and kind of plant those seeds with regards to, you know, um, cost and technology options. But it really, um, as we plant those seeds and as the patient hears it two, three times, it's not as much of a shock when they get to the counselor and sit down with all the paperwork. So Josh, you know, we've seen the technology evolve and evolve and evolve, and it's always so exciting for um, docs to have new uh, technologies and, and things we can do to improve our patient's vision and life. Um, what sort of things are you excited about in the future with regards to IOL technology and maybe things that we don't necessarily think about as a cataract um, procedure or treatment that might have implications in regards to our uh, high technology lens patients? Yeah, there's been a lot of innovation in the past four or five years, right? So going back a few years ago, EDOF, extended depth of focus, right. a new category, right? Not distinct focal points, but a range of vision. Distance, intermediate, really well. We can still give some near vision. They may have to wear a low reading glass. Yeah. We now have several lenses, two lenses in that sort of extended depth of focus class, if you will, refractive or diffractive technology. And then, of course, trifocals, like right. we mentioned before, really implants now that can really address really good near, really good distance, really good intermediate, you know, functional vision for everything, everything. and all three of those points. And then a whole other category, right? Sort of the small aperture IOL mimicking what we have with those top of the FDA approved drops now that are out there. Myotics, yeah. Exactly. Myotics, you know, shrink the pupil, increasing the depth of focus. And I think why that's exciting, you could play with different things like monovision, but maybe that patient had RK or AK, right. corneal scars. If there's an abnormal corneal surface, other pathology like keratoconus, we can use, you know, this small aperture IOL to address some of that residual refractive error that would normally have to be taken care of. This does it without having to have another surgical procedure there. So using the lens um, to avoid some of the special characteristics that might be found on the cornea and remove those optical aberrations. Yeah, we can really optimize what is needed for that patient based on the afterwards. You know, if there's a potential for glaring halos or an abnormal cornea or corneal scars, other pathology, historically, yeah. they may not have the option to do a premium lens but some of the newer technologies opening the door for these patients to have that decision as a choice. Yeah, what do you think about you know, those patients with RK and really that want a refractive procedure? What other options could we uh, describe or discuss with our patients? Yeah, historically we would avoid premium technology in some of these patients, especially if they had some other uh, contraindications, if mm -hmm. you will, and other yep. risk factors, maybe personality traits. 
But now, whether it's the extended depth of focus or as we mentioned, the small aperture IOL, there's an opportunity now to address almost everything. We know some limitations, contraindications previously with diffractive IOLs, those high-end multifocals, whether it was retinal pathology or glaucoma or corneal scars on the front surface. Now there are still specific premium lens options we can still choose and have those options that are available that weren't available many years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so with some of these special refractive errors and special conditions, do you think um, we're going to see less and less explantation with the development of adjustable IOLs? Yeah, I think we already are. Just in general, the technology's gotten more forgiving and better, better outcomes. And then maybe there's an opportunity if, if we have a patient with maybe some residual refractive error, as you mentioned, that new lens that we can adjust afterwards, right? So we can right. avoid PRK or LASIK. We know PRK and LASIK is safe. It's one of the safest things we can do in our clinic. Yet patients view that as a, a mistake. Another right. procedure to fix a problem that happened after cataract surgery. Yeah. If we can predict this on the front end and then do this as a part of the, you know, changing the uh, index on, on an IOL yeah. with, with this simple laser that's non-invasive, that's a nice thing to have that tune-up. That's just part of that package, which is another new option that's been fun to watch. Yeah, that's really been exciting, I think, for these patients that are very um, refractively uh, specific, um, for lack of a better term, that very type A, like, I can tell the difference between a quarter shift this way or that way, that we can demonstrate some of those fine-tuning things that we can do after the procedure and really give the patient what refractive error they want post-operatively. It's been fun. Yeah, it's kind of second decade of my career, if you will, and we have more options than we ever had before and making my job a lot easier than ever before. Yeah. So in summary, it sounds like we've got lots of great options for our cataract surgery patients and that we need to explore and discuss those options with our patients so we can deliver them what they need. Yeah, the key takeaway, I think, is just that there are options available. Diagnose the cataract, educate our patients. We have many, many options to decrease or maybe even eliminate the need for glasses. And there's less chair time than we used to ever have decades ago. Worrying about glare and halos now, this is probably a lot easier for patients. They do better, better outcomes, quicker outcomes that are good and successful. Uh, no reservations about recommending the great technology that's out there today. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with me, Josh. I always love chatting with you, especially about the great technology and options we have in eye care. And thanks to our audience, too, for hanging out with us and listening to us uh, nerd out on eyeballs. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure.